0: Good morning how are you doing i, I hope you 're better than that all right how you doing all right let 's stand up let 's get ready to worship the lord today god we bring we 're come here today we 're so excited to be in your presence as always but in addition to that Lord we are so excited to um, be celebrating um, a baptism after church and some food and some other stuff like a bouncy house. I'm not getting in that one. Um, but God, we are just so grateful to, to just be having at least right now about 24 or so people that are um, saying, Hey, I have decided uh, to follow Jesus. So we're excited by that. God, just whatever you have for us today, just bring your spirit and power and might and we'll give you the praise, glory, and honor as we just set everything aside and we just, uh, we're gonna maybe get just exhausted in worship today i um, for you. In your name we pray. And everybody says, Amen. I was published
1: in by shame. Who could carry that kind?
0: Was my till I met you. I was. you To do, um, isn't it good? Just look, isn't it? You remember the days we had nobody here? You don't, because I was the only one here. Um, but isn't it good to just see people? Just say hello to somebody next to you, and um, our kids can get to our Haven Kids.
2: everybody. It's good to see you all. Everybody's smiling faces on this beautiful day. So welcome to Haven Community Church. Uh, Jack always says that you're not here by accident, so we're glad to have you here. And if you're a visitor with us, please let someone know, because we'd love to get to know you a little bit better. Um, Right now is our prayer time, so I've got a stack today, so you can join with me in all these prayer requests. So Judy Music has prayers for Sandy Andrews for healing. And she also has a prayer for the Parson uh, Parsons family. Uh, her son-in-law, Richie's brother, Dan, is 50 years old, and he passed away with cancer on Friday. So let's lift that family up in prayer. Um, Laura Young has some prayers here. She says, Lilick Thompson um, is a 10-year-old with a serious brain tumor. So please pray for that family. She really needs a miracle. She's in the hospital at Hopkins. And uh, her, her birthday is this friday july 1st so we've got um cards if anybody has interest in that we can share the the address to send cards um joanna and ron have prayers for testing uh zoe a young lady losing her sight for unknown reasons and then janine alkanowskis did i get that right wow alkanowskis family um she they lost their mom her mom this week so um prayers for them Holly Kip, weight loss continues and 40 pounds down. Big praise for Holly on that one. Prayer works, right, Holly? <laughs> and then Sue Campbell said, A child in, in my neighborhood, she's around 12, and she and her caregiver were traveling to North Carolina, and the caregiver had a heart attack, wrecked the car, and died. Pray for the child and her indefinite future. So, wow, lots of, lots of prayers um, here today. So... Let's, uh, let's all go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this day and for all the beauty that you bring to it and, and for all the things that we've got coming about in this service with, with the service and the, and the baptism and all that that's coming. Lord, we know that, that we're right now in, in a sanctuary, in, in a place where we can spend time and focus and just dedicate ourselves to, to, to listening to your words and to your teaching and to put ourselves apart as your children. But we know, Lord, at the same time, there's so much going on in the world. And all the prayers that we had today, from, from children with brain tumors to, to accidents to, you know, all kinds of tests and other things. Um, deaths of someone so young, uh, 50 and, and what have you, Lord. We, we know that the world is not always a sanctuary, and there's so many things. Um, but we know, Lord, that you are with us wherever we are and that, that you are in control, even when it seems like we're not. So, Lord, we just ask today for, for all the people on our prayer list, for those that are also in our hearts and minds that we haven't spoken out loud, Lord, we just ask that you, you send your grace and send your healing touch and send your peace and whatever it is is needed in that moment, Lord, that you be present and that your Holy Spirit be there. And, Lord, as we go through the rest of this service, be here. Um, send your Holy Spirit to be in everything we do. And um, we will give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let's look at some announcements of what's going on at Haven.
0: center. Or else that'll bug me with my ADHD, all, the whole service. Um, but um, we see have several different things going on here that you see. Um, and again, men's and women's groups. they do, they um, really enjoy and have, have some good things. Um, I know everybody finished up. Um, those of you who are participating in our prayer course, that was pretty cool, right? You, you like that? We finished up a series on the Lord's Prayer last week. And um, and so today we're going to kind of have what, uh, what us preacher people call um, a standalone sermon, which means it's not a series, it's on its own, um, which kind of every week's on its own, but it's different. Anyway, just go with me. Um, so we're, um, we're having that. So today we're going to talk a lot about baptism. We're going to focus on that. And, um, and if you have any questions and you're visiting, um, number one, relax, just have a good time. I um, I will. Um, so I want you to as well and you can see some people um, either in um, one of these shirts or, or somewhere around if you have any other kind of questions we'll help get you there um, this is our QR code for our worship guide or a bulletin that has some blanks It's not, you don't have to we will let you leave um, but um, it's just a good way that people can go ahead and have that as well um, the, the next series that we're going to do uh, I, I really felt like at the end of last year you're, those of you who may um, have been watching online Welcome Church Online and others who are here I went ahead and and instead of doing Christmas and baby Jesus and and all that kind of stuff, um, we did a series in Job and just talked about suffering Some of you might remember that and it just really got it was kind of cool because we went to I think everybody's dealing with some form of suffering um, in their lives and there's a lot of suffering in the world so we went, kind of went there and it was job is actually the oldest book of the Bible it's not the, the uh, discussing the earliest chronological but it is the oldest book that we have and so uh, I started me thinking why would God want to start this whole thing with suffering then I started thinking thinking, well, do we really know what we believe? And then we spent time in the Apostles' Creed and really unpacking that so that we would know what we believe. And then we started talking about prayer, how some people are really freaked out about prayer. So we want to spend some time in prayer. And today we get to have this baptism uh, celebration, which is really awesome. And so the next thing I just, I said, okay, what I want to do? Um, so and where, where are you leading me, God? So what I'm going to, um, what the next series is going to be, it's going to probably be about eight or nine weeks long, um, and which is a lot of the year. And it is going to be on the Beatitudes, um, the Sermon on the Mount. Um, the um, blessed are those who. Uh, and so we're going to start that next week. So I'm really, kind of, I think that's really kind of cool too. It's even people who are, who do not believe in Jesus as the, as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, they will one day, but um, they, they even look back at, it's like the great, one of the greatest teachings ever given the Sermon on the Mount. So we're going to go ahead and just really get into um, what it means to be, to live, um, to be blessed in some things that don't sound very blessed, like the poor in spirit. And that'll be our first week. Okay. Sound good? All right, here we go. So um, today we are going to talk about baptism. And so um, we're going to—and um, after, after church, uh, you know, we're going to let people go ahead and get you know, you're ready and dressed and everything. Um, and then we're going to go down across—we're going to go across the parking lot and down, and there's a creek, and it's a nice, neat area back there. Um, there's a little hill, but if you're worried about getting there, some people will go ahead and help you get there. Um, so, but I was reminded of a story where they had a baptismal service at a church. Um, one time. And they were all gathered out there, and a man came up who, let's say he had had a little bit to drink, and it wasn't iced tea, you know what I mean? Um, It might have been, but it had a lot of thing like vodka or something in it, all right? So he had a lot, and he was staggering. And before you knew it, this man um, walked over, and he stood in the water right next to the preacher. And the minister turned and looked at him and said, "Um, are you ready to find Jesus? And the man said, Yeah, preacher, I sure am. The minister then got him there and got him ready, and he went ahead, and he dunked him in the water and pulled him back up. And he said, have you found Jesus yet? He said, no, sir, I haven't. Mister, dunked him back down, pulled him back up. And he said, have you found Jesus yet? No, preacher, I haven't. He dunked him down again and held him down a little bit longer. Pull him back up. He said, now have you found Jesus? He said, no, sir, I haven't. He dunked him down again. He came up and he said, have you found Jesus? He said, no, but are you sure this is where he went in? (laughs) (laughs) You will tell that later because that's funny. eh? That's very funny. Um, (laughs) So many times uh, we ask people, have you found Jesus? And a lot of times we're just... We're just going through the motions of being dunked in. We're just going through the stuff of church. And we're not going to do that today because we're going to talk about baptism. There's a lot to talk about that. Anybody, uh, our, when we start talking about our, our verses today, I want to give you some context. Um, and some of the context is, if you know the story of God, many people know, uh, for God so loved the world that he became one of us. He became one of us uh, in the person of his son, Jesus Christ was born of the Virgin Mary, he lived a completely sinless life, suffered, was crucified, dead, and he arose uh, three days later. And after his resurrection, he uh, assembled some of his disciples, and he gave them one last piece of instruction. And, you know, someone's last words are very important. If if you know somebody that you love dearly, a grandparent, a a child, a, a parent, Uh, you remember the last things they said to you. That's important. It could be like, get out of here, but that's really important. You know what I mean? That they say. But if somebody, particularly people on their deathbed, who have that opportunity to say one or two more things, it's usually really, really important. And so Jesus, who was getting ready to ascend into heaven, had some important things that he wanted to, uh, to share with him. And he said this, and this comes from Matthew 28, 19. And he says this, Therefore go... And make. What does it say? Go and make. Those are action verbs. You notice that? It doesn't say sit and wait. It doesn't say sit and just let it happen by osmosis. He said go and make disciples of all nations. Here's another verb baptizing is an action verb, them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And then later in the scripture they talk about baptizing in Acts they actually talk about baptizing in the, in the name of Jesus. And so that's what Jesus gave as his last instructions um, here. So notice Jesus did not say, "Go and build a church building and tell them to open the door and open the door and say, "Come on in and wait for them to come in." Um, But he did actually say, be the church in the world. He said, get out of the building, go into the world, and everywhere you are, seven days a week, 365 days a year, you are to be the light and the representation of Christ. Lift his name up so that he says when we lift him up, he draws those people near to him. We're to make disciples, make followers of a Christ, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I've always learned that in um, one of the basic things about business is if you're in business to make widgets, how do you tell whether you're good in business? Yeah, how, how many widgets? Are you doing well in selling widgets? All right, And so the Christians, if our job is to... Uh, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the Father and the Holy Spirit, then we need to check our business. How are we doing at making disciples? And we don't want to talk about that. We'd rather talk about attendances. We'd rather talk about clicks and views and things like that rather than talking about what Jesus called us to do. And so we're told to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. These are the last recorded words of Jesus before we get to Acts. Um, and and it's a similar thing. And so Baptizing. So today we're going to talk about baptism. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 13, we're, we have this verse where Jesus is being baptized. Now, um, we're, we're going to have some other people that come in here. But we're going to just get into this, and we're going, to, we're going to talk a little bit about this. So it says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. Stop. This is John the Baptist, or as um, in seminary, as my um, professor said, J-Bap, just to say it easy. Um, John the Baptist, um, that's not his denomination, just to let you know. He he was not a Baptist, although some people have said that before. Um, John was an unusual guy by our standards. He uh, wore clothing out of camel hair. Um, He ate locust and wild honey. Um, He hung out in the wilderness and did all kinds of sort uh, sort of things that were unusual. But his clothing and practice, we don't see it, but it was consistent with the Old Testament prophets like Elijah. Um, John was probably, though, the most passionate passionate preacher of his day um, up to that time. He had one clear message, and people went out into the wilderness to hear this. It was repent, 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 repent of your sin. Now that's a church that has like 2,000 plus years of Christian tradition and also a lot more of Jewish tradition. Repent just means about faith. You're headed in one direction and you turn and go the other way. And so what John was saying here is is you're, you're living life in this world. You're doing things that are... Are opposed to God, stop where you are and turn and go about face toward the lord is what he is what he, John was pretty much saying um, so he preached it in the wilderness, he preached it on the streets, anywhere to anyone who would listen, repent all of you, and be baptized. That's his message, consistently, consistently. His message, as he saw it, though, was to do that, but was to prepare the way for the Messiah, the Lord. And um, he said, the one who comes after me is greater than I ever could be. Uh, Many people during this time, uh, you had an intertestamental period, as we call it, but you had um, the Jewish people that were in captivity by the Roman government, and so they had been looking for a Messiah, and many of them thought it was a political Messiah. And there were several people that came and had uprisings and did all kinds of other things. As they were doing that, everybody would look to them, and people would begin to follow them. John the Baptist was one of those people who people were looking to and saying, oh, could he be be this? And so John said, no, 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 don't look at me. I'm just here before pointing you to who that person is. And when he comes, my role will decrease, his will increase. And so when he saw Jesus, he said this. He said, he's sitting there preaching, repent, repent, and then he sees Jesus. He said, whoa, whoa, whoa." everybody stop. There is the one, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That's the one I've been talking about to get ready for. And then we have Jesus coming to be baptized. We're going to talk about that in a second. Later, as Jesus began to have people, John the Baptist, had people leave him and start going to Jesus, some of John's followers were like, what's going on? He said, no, no, he has to become greater, and I have to become lesser. That's who we're looking for. So that's who John is right here. He was not a Christian. What? He was a Jew. He was a Jewish man. And his baptism was not a Christian baptism. It was one of repentance from your sin. Remember, repent, 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 and cleansing of your sin. I always love extra information about people that we get even outside the Bible. And one of the greatest historians is the, um, the Hellenistic a Jewish um, historian uh, Josephus, and he actually spoke about John the Baptist. He said, "This good man who commanded the Jews to exercise virtue, righteousness toward one another, and piety toward God, for only thus in john 's opinion would the baptism he administered be acceptable to God, namely that if they used it to obtain not a pardon for some sins but rather a cleansing of their bodies, inasmuch as it was taken for granted that their souls had already been purified by justice." Now many people came in crowds to him, for they were greatly moved by his word. So we know a lot about John the Baptist. And um, so we have a little different baptism, a baptism in the triune God. Some scholars believe, has anybody ever heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls? Um, in the Qumran community, the Essene community, they were a group of separatist Jews that didn't like what was going on and so they went out into the wilderness and they began to have like kind of a monastic life. And some have said that John the Baptist could have been associated with that group because they shared very similar ideas about purification and, um, and baptism. Um, and in the Dead Sea Scrolls, they actually had what they called the community rule that they found, that a ritual of immersion and baptism, which said, um, for it is by the spirit of the, tr- of the true counsel of God that they are atoned the paths of man and all his iniquities so that he can look upon the light of life. And it is by the Holy Spirit of the community, in its truth, that he is cleansed of all his iniquities. And by the spirit of uprightness and of humility, his sin has been atoned and by the compliance of his soul with all the laws of God, his flesh is cleansed by being sprinkled with the cleansing of waters and made holy with the waters of repentance. Very similar to John. So here's what happens. So Jesus comes and says, Hey, I need to be baptized. And John says, "Well, wait a second. It says he tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me. Like, do you see the humor? I like to see humor in, in Scripture, um, and I see humor everywhere. But in here, here you got Jesus. He's coming. You know, John's saying, hey, repent, repent. You got Jesus who comes in. Lamb of God takes sin away of uh, the world. Jesus says, hey, I need to be baptized. He's like, you don't need to repent from nothing. And he says, well, I need you to baptize me. He said, n- 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 I- you should be baptizing me. No, you baptize me. No, you baptize me. Who's on first? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's uh, shortstop. You know what I mean? I mean, that's, if you don't know what that is, Abbott and Costello, look it up. Um, but what I'm saying is there's kind of like this humorous kind of like thing here that John's like, no, no, no. And Jesus says, no, no, I have to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Because what's really cool is here you have the sinless Lamb of God who's going through a baptism, but John has said, one comes that baptizes with water and the Spirit, and he will baptize with fire. Jesus was coming in to fulfill what was done before, saying, okay, I am the one who will take on all your sins and that you can come to me, and they will be washed away. And so it's really cool what, what begins to happen here. And Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill righteousness. And John said, all right. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened. When you get into the um, the Greek writing, it actually says heaven was torn. Like it wasn't just like, like, you know, you're walking through the Walmart, you know, those, no, it was like ripped open and it just tore open. And as heaven was, was torn open, he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and um, lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Jesus, the Son of God, says, I want to be baptized. And as he comes out of the water, Heavens rip open, Holy Spirit falls. God says, hey, ask my boy. <laughs> um, and I'm proud of him. And then what happens? Jesus' public ministry is launched and forever changed the world. You know, here's Jesus at roughly 30 years of age um, beginning his public ministry in, in an, amazing, an amazing way. So the question is, baptism. Where does that word come from? The New Testament is written in Greek, and um, and there's two different variations of this when we're discussing this. One is is called "bapto," okay. And one is called "bapto," and it means to dip. And if you want to r- see where this is in Scripture, if you go to Luke chapter 16, where and when we talked about um, descended to hell, we talked about this in in the um, uh, Apostles' Creed, where the rich man and Lazarus, and he asked if he could if the um, uh, if the the beggar could go ahead and dip his finger in some cold water for him. That is where you get bapto, if he could, you know, just like, bloop, like that, just a little dip, all right? That's what that is. This word, baptizo, everybody say that with me, baptizo. Baptizo. Don't you feel like you're more intelligent already? It means to wash. It does mean to dip. It means to um, immerse. Um, It means to plunge under, and it means to submerge, okay? It's a very, very common word that you would hear in everyday language during this time. Like, we don't say, you know, hey, I baptized my uh, donut in my coffee today. I mean, we don't say that. But that's what would happen. It would be a word that was used. Do it tomorrow and see what somebody looks at you, and it'll be really fun. Um, I'm going to go take a bapto in the pool. When people are like, what? You know, I mean... So we, don't, we just don't do that. But it was very, very, very familiar in the day. And there was a Greek poet and a physician named Nicander of Colophon. And he lived about 200 B.C. So um, this is 200 years before Jesus, the birth of Jesus. And in his writings, he included a recipe how to make pickles. Anybody like pickles? I mean, I like pickles. Here they are. Some sweet baby gherkins, right? There we go right down. Um, and, and so he, he, we have this writing. He basically made his own cookbook um, uh, from like 200 years before Jesus. So if you want to make some nectar pickles, look it up. Um, so he, here's what he says to us. He says the first step in making um, a pickle is to take the vegetable. What vegetable is it? <laughs> you guys are smart. All right. Take that and to dip it, to bapto it into boiling water. The next step is to immerse, baptizo, the vegetable, in a vinegar solution. You have both those words right there um, in this. And you guys, you guys want some pickles now, don't you? All right. So when you make pickles, guess what? These were little tiny what's at one point. Here, I'll show you. All right. Little tiny what's? Cucumbers. Yeah, see they are. There. All right. Little tiny cucumbers. Anybody sit around and eat little cucumbers like this? Anybody eat these old gherkins? I love these old gherkins. I might just keep it open and keep eating them all with service. I don't know. But, um, so, um, and they do some of the same stuff to, like, with olives. You know, you put olives in there. When we were in Israel, Debbie remembers this, there was an olive tree that had black olives on them. And I, anybody like olives? I love black olives. They're, like, my favorite. I saw them. Excuse me. And I pulled one off. Give me a second. Um. I pulled one off the tree. I put it in my mouth. It was the most bitter, disgusting thing I ever had in my life, and and my hands were all purple and everything. Um, and of course, then I said, "Oh my gosh, they have an olive tree!" And what did I say, Debbie, they're the best things ever. And I had everybody try it because <laughs> misery loves company. Um, what makes the olives really good is that they baptizo them into that solution. That's what it what it does. That's what makes it makes it good. The first thing, Bapto, when you first take the cucumber, why are you putting it in boiling water? To clean it. To clean it. You don't want dirt in your pickles. And so the first thing is a temporary, it removes the dirt. The second thing is the permanent transformation that occurs in there. You with me? So when you baptize something, you are permanently trans. I got to get a drink. drink. Um, <laughs> um, so you're, you're transforming it permanently. This can never go back to just being a cucumber. I take it out of the boiling water, it's still not a pickle. It's just a cleaned up cucumber. Everybody see what I mean? All right, now keep that in your mind. So John is called John the Baptist or John the Baptizer, John the Baptizoer. Um, And so he's a washer, or how some people in the southern say washer, okay? That's who he is. So the question is, and this is a big question we ask, who should be baptized? And it's interesting because if you go to different churches, different backgrounds, you'll hear all kinds of different doctrines, rules, uh, approaches on baptism, and even terms. In a Pentecostal church, you may hear one thing. In a Baptist church, you'll hear something that's slightly different. Baptists believe in only believers' baptism by immersion. Lutheran church believes in infant. Um, it's a little bit different. Infants and believers. And they're sprinkling. Um, you can do whatever. But they say the form's not important. We don't care. They may hit you with a super soaker. I don't know. Um in the Methodist church, there's a lot, of, um, there's a lot of, uh, of infant baptisms or christenings or whatever you want to say. But also, go ahead, you can do immersion as well. Um, the Nazarene church, infants and, um, and believers, sprinkling immersion. The Wesleyan church, which is interesting, um, the Wesleyan church is believers' baptism. You have to be of an age, and, uh, and you have to say something, and it's immersion. In the Catholic church, um, it is infants and those who adhere to the Catholic, Roman Catholic faith. Okay, that's, that's, that's what happens in that way. Um, speaking of the Catholic Church, you know how you get holy water. You um, take water, you put a pot on the stove, turn it way up, and you boil the hell out of it. Get it? You boil the hell out of it. That's funny, too. You guys are just slow, all right? You're going to tell these jokes later, and you're going to wonder why people aren't laughing at you either, all right? Um <laughs> So, but what I want to do, instead of looking at church teachings, let me move my pickles, um, instead of using a, a church teachings and people's interpretation of what we should do in years of doctrine, let's do something ideal. Let's go back to the Scripture and find out, all right? And um, so who should be baptized? Let's start here. Committed believers. Committed believers. I think everybody agrees to that one. In the book of Acts, one of the disciples, Philip, is going along. And he hears an Ethiopian eunuch. He was, uh, he was probably a, a man of wealth and power in Ethiopia. He's sitting alongside the road, and he's reading. He's reading about, um, for he, he, he was reading from Isaiah, I believe, about where G- uh, Jesus is, uh, it, where it's alluding to Jesus, where he was bruised and, and beaten for our iniquities. And Philip comes up to him and says, hey, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I unless somebody explains it to me? So Philip says, I can explain it to you. And so they journeyed along together. And the whole thing, Philip began to unpack that all this was leading and talked about Jesus. So as they get further on, here we come to this point as they travel along. And it says, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? I said, that was a pretty good conversation, wasn't it? That he knew nothing about what he's reading to the point he's saying, hey, there's water. Let me get baptized. And... And Philip responds, if you believe with all your heart, let's do it. The eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And they went and they baptized him, plopped him in. And when he, um, when he came up, Philip was gone. The Lord whisked him away. He was so excited about what he had discovered about Jesus, that he could not wait. The first body of water he comes he's like, hey, baptize me. It could have been a big mud puddle for all I know. That's how excited he was. He's like, let's go. What's going to stop me? You can hear how excited this man was. He had all the wealth. He had all the things that he needed in life. But the thing that he found out is that Jesus was real and the Son of God, and it came to his heart. He said, there's water. I'm going to take care of this right now. Many scholars actually believe that he was the person um, that went back because after this, historically, we know the Ethiopian church exploded. That Christians just were, boom, the Coptic church exploded all over the place. And they believe it went back to this man who didn't understand what he was reading. And Philip said, hey, let me explain to you. And he was so passionate about Jesus that it changed his and everyone else's life. And, and that's the, that's the goal of the Christian. As a committed believer, your choice. To be baptized it 's based off your committed your commitment to say what says on these shirts. I have decided, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to do that I've decided to say, okay, you can be the Lord you 're the Lord of my life i 've messed this up enough. Go ahead and lead and guide me in this way. and that that offer that we have from Jesus is a free offer of, of grace, of unmerited, undeserved love for us from God the Father through Jesus the Son and what he did. And he's given it to us free, but it's not cheap. It cost him his life. We need to say, you know, you are the Savior of the world and you are the Lord of life. If you go to our Haven website and you want to know what we feel about salvation, this is the important part. It says, the blood of Jesus shed on the cross provides the only way of salvation through the forgiveness of sin. Salvation occurs when people place their faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ as sufficient. Payment for their sin. Atonement salvation is a free gift of God and cannot be earned through our own efforts, yet it costs Jesus his own life. We are saying yes to that. And when we say yes to that, the response is believers' baptism. And um, and so what we are saying, we outwardly display, I want to tell the world that I have decided to follow Jesus, okay? That's the first thing. The second one, and here's where we get differences in our doctrinal standards. We have committed believers, and I'm going to say they're children. You say, uh-oh, here we go. Um, they're children. Reasons for infant baptism. Um, if you go to the earliest points of church uh, history, you find that people were doing this. But there be people in, that were really big, smart theological um, people, Studied and came up and, and, and we see it from Scripture, the doctrine of original sin, that we are all, that because of Adam and Eve, we are all born into this sin. we 're born into sin. If you don't believe me, anybody ever had a little baby in your house. They are cute, little, wonderful bundles of selfishness. right? You ever say your kid, cry, baby, crying? You say, "Just wait a second. I, I, I'm in the middle of doing something. I'll be back." They're gonna be like, okay, yeah, meh. you know? No, they're gonna scream and yell all the more. They want for us, and we say, "Well, that's yeah, we get it. They need something, but they are like if you invited me to your house, and you fed me dinner, and I'm like, oh, somebody burped me, and made you pick me up and burp you, and I vomit all over you, <laughs> and then um, you say you're not acting right. I said I'm not feeling right, and I'm like." Can somebody come change me? And you're like, no. Um, and you say, well, just go to bed. And I go to bed and I scream and cry all night. You're going to like throw him out and don't ever have him back here. Our children do that all the time, don't they? And we take care of that because of our love for them. It's, uh, it's the same thing that God has for us. A father was in church with his, um, three of his young children, including his five-year-old daughter. And it, they sat in the front pew um, and he wanted to, the children to see the service. Well, they were having a christening, a baptism of a young child, and the minister was doing this on a tiny, tiny infant, and the little girl was just looking and taking it all in. And um, she was, he was pouring water over the infant's head in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and did that. And the little girl looks up at her dad and goes, um, Daddy, why is he trying to brainwash a baby? You know, some people think that's what we do. We don't. It's, it's a matter of, of making a connection to Christ. And I want to unpack this a little bit. So original sin is there. We recognize that sin came through one man, Adam and Eve, and it entered the world. And so we are diseased. If you look at it this way, that because of what Adam and, did, uh, Adam and Eve did, that, that this world that was good and perfect is forever diseased. And if you don't believe me, look at how bad we are continually getting. Even though we have great technologies and more things than ever, how many of you look around and say, man, this is, not the, this is not the place I grew up in. This is not the people that I had. You know, and time and time again, that we're getting, it's like the evil in, that sin is having is more contagious in more and more ways. We saw that Adam and Eve dis- were obedient to God, and that went ahead and ended up in the first murder of Cain and Abel, and it just on and on and on and on is where we where we have this whole situation. So the second thing is we get to enter into a covenant with God. Circumcision in the Old Testament was the way that male babies were were made with a covenant people of God. They had to be circumcised on the eighth day. It's still in Jewish tradition to this day. It's part of a covenant relationship with God. Baptism is that for us now. Remember, Jesus never came to get rid of any of that. He came to fulfill it. And so that is an act of covenant with him. And so if infants could join in covenant in the Old Testament, why do we think that they can't now? It's not about what they know. It's about God's love for them. In Deuteronomy 29, verse 10 through 12, it says, all of you stand today. This is when they're getting ready to go into the promised land. And it says, all of you stand today before the Lord your God, your leaders and your tribes and your elders and your officers and all the men of Israel. And it says, and your little ones and your wives Also the stranger in your camp, and it goes on and on again. And it says that you may enter into covenant with the Lord your God and into his oath, which the Lord God makes with you today. What they're saying here is that everybody there, including the little ones, are included in that covenant. The third thing that um, we look for children is we are admitted into the church, the body of Christ. As Jews, circumcision was to make them part of the Jewish faith. And for us, we incorporate children into the body of Christ. And according to Jesus himself, we are to bring the little ones, the little children uh, to Jesus and not keep them away. In Matthew 19, when Jesus is, is there and he and they're trying to keep him away, it says people were bringing him little ones, the little children, so he could put his hands on him, on them and, and bless them and pray for them. And the disciples are like, get these babies away from Jesus. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, let them come to me, for theirs is the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. So, so we put these denominational and these rules in. Jesus said, let them little kids come to me. All right? Um, and I think in some ways, little kids' faith is so pure. They don't have the world to just throw them off. In Luke chapter 18, when Luke is actually translating the same story, he actually says they were bringing the word babies and infants to Jesus. So we know that Jesus was open to that, to to pray and bless on them. Also in the Scripture, there were whole households that were baptized. Um, and there was, the assumption is that little ones were there too. In Acts chapter 16, we have a lady named Lydia, and it says, When she, Lydia, and the members of her household were baptized, she invited them to her home and said, If you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. In uh, Acts 16, when the, um, Paul uh, was in jail and... and it opened, and the jailer was going to kill himself. And they, they talked him out of it, and they shared with him about Jesus. Here's what it says here. It says, At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds, and immediately he and all his household were baptized. Okay? And why, why do we do this? So I'm going to give you some—here you go. Here's some good old theology. You can use this, and you can make yourself sound even smarter than you already do. And you guys are good today. Um, when we talk about God's grace, all right? There is one grace from God. It's undeserved favor. I don't... You know what I deserve? Jack Cohen deserves to to be in hell. For my sin, for everything I do, it's constantly against God, and I deserve to die eternal death and hell. That's what I deserve. But because of my acceptance of Jesus Christ, because of God's love for me, that the Scripture says, while we were yet sinners, while Jack was still doing everything and continues to at times... God sent His Son, Jesus, long before I was ever thought of in this world, sent His Son, Jesus, to be my payment for my sins. The ones that were committed, the ones that are committed, and the ones that forever will be because of Jesus Christ. Now, that is undeserved love. That's what God has for us. It's this undeserved favor and love. God could have just said, forget this. I'm going to wipe it all out and start again. You know, maybe puppies will be better. You know, I don't know. He could have started all over, but he didn't. And so he, he set his son. So the, the fir- there's, there's one God's grace, and it's experienced in three ways. Okay? And, and the first one is a blank because we're going to fill that in last. Okay? The first one is a, is a blank. But we're going to go to the second one. And the second one is one that we, if you've been around Christianity, you'll understand for, for a while. We experience God's grace through justifying grace, justification. And a great way to remember this, it's a point in time. And it means it, w- that we are made just as if I'd never sinned. Get it? Justified? I'm made just as if i never sinned. We may call it accepting the Lord, being saved. We accept the grace and the gift that God has for us in Christ Jesus, and we say, I believe you are who you say you are, and I, am, uh, I, re- I repent of my sin, and I'm gonna, I-, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Boom, it's a point in time, it happens. Some people, you might have come down to an altar, you might have said a sinner's prayer, you might have been watching TV, and they said that, somebody may have given you a Gideon Bible, you may have been just walking the road and said, you know what, I just want to follow Jesus, and you just thought of that, okay? Um, Whatever that is, it's a moment in time. From that moment in time, once that happens, it's really, boom, like that, justifying becomes what we, we experience, sanctifying grace. Sanctus is the Latin term for holy. It is the process of us becoming better than we are by having Christ be more in us than us in ourselves. It is becoming more like Jesus, trying to be a better Christian. That I haven't arrived, but I'm a heck of a lot better than I was because of my relationship with Christ. Everybody follow along with me that you you, you may do spiritual disciplines like prayer and reading and study and things to get yourself to, an, to an, another level. And that's where the gifts of the Spirit come in and the fruits of the Spirit to, to help us increase that. Um, becoming Christians, which means little Christ. Now, the first part of this happens long before we're ever on the scene. And it's what we understand. This is the number one. It's called prevenient grace. Everybody say prevenient. prevenient. There you go. See, so you guys got, you got baptizo and prevenient. You got a ton of terms today. Um, and this is what we call the enabling grace. The enabling grace—that this is the the grace that precedes any of our human decisions—that you know, like like I said again, remember all the stuff your kids do to you as, as babies, and then as they get older. Anybody anybody a parent ever had kids like you know like, are you sure you're mine? I mean, I get that you're mothers, but you're not. You know you know like that, or you say, oh my gosh, you're just like me. Uh oh. you know, Um. And and they 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 test every ounce of your love, and you know. All my kids did to have me love them is be born, right? And I would do anything for them. I would lay down my life for them. Why? Because they're mine. And yeah, they get on my nerves at times, and I wish it was more quiet at times. But, but you know, I mean, I love them dearly, and I would do anything, anything for my kids, anything. Um, and they, they don't earn it. They never have. They were just born. It's the same thing and more with God. You and I have done absolutely nothing to deserve God's love. Nothing. We can't earn it. We can't be good enough. When I was born, I just was here. But he loves me so much that before I was born, he knew me. And he formed me together. And he said, even though original sin, you're being born into this original sin... I love you, and I want a relationship with you, and I want you to be my child, fully my child. And it's what we have a term that was coined about in the 60s called the, that the Holy Spirit is the hound dog of heaven. Just, where's Jack? You know, oh, yeah, I know he's doing there, but I'm, he's, he's in the middle of that, but I want a relationship with him. And that's what God wants. He will do anything, anything to have you as his child. And to bring you into that part, part. And so what we do when we baptize infants, we recognize that they're in covenant with, with God, but we do that by saying, yeah, you're born into original sin, but we want to maybe maybe even put it this way, bapto, we want to wash that original sin away. Wesley even was quoted as saying he, he thought he sinned away his infant baptism by a certain amount of time. Doesn't mean it wasn't good enough, just meant that Wesley figured out how to sin too. All right, um, And so we have that. Everybody understand those? I think that's a key concept to understand how we experience that with God. So today, several of you will be baptized. And you're not just getting soaked. You're not just taking a bath. Um, and so I want to help you understand in our remaining time here today uh, the spiritual power behind your decision to be baptized. There are three things that God wants to do through your obedience as you're baptized. The first thing that you will do it's simply this. You will be publicly standing with Christ. You're, you are saying, like we, when we started with the Apostles' Creed, I believe. You're making a, I, you know, when we used to stand up and say the Pledge of Allegiance, you're saying, I am putting my allegiance with Jesus. That's what I'm doing. So inside you, God is doing something in your head, in your heart, and in your life, and you are going to make an outward and visible declaration. I am identified with Christ and I am a follower of Jesus. So you're publicly standing with him. We may say it's more difficult than it's ever been, but I'm going to tell you it's easier still than it is in most places in the world. There are people when they stand and make a public declaration to say, I stand with Jesus are still killed to this day for their faith. And so you are making that claim. And when you're doing that, you're also standing with the body of believers. In Galatians three twenty six and 27, it says, You are all sons and daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus, that we are saved through faith in Jesus Christ, not by our own works. Um, For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. You're clothed with Christ. You're passionate about your relationship with uh, Jesus, His call and His mystery in your life. Now, um, how many people, is there, how many sports fans, anybody a sports fan here? Okay, yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge one. Uh, all right. Um, um, and so whether it's baseball or football or ice hockey or NASCAR, um, you know, if I, if I throw out certain names of things, like some of you would cheer and some of you would boo. Like if I said Ravens, some of you would. Okay. There's, there's still time for your salvation. All right. Um <laughs> If I said Eagles, if you didn't cheer, you're all going to hell. I'm sorry. It's, um, <laughs> but um, I'm not even saying the Cowboys, because you cheer that, you are definitely going to hell. Um, so, um, but um, so but we have that. And, and you know, uh, I, I, I love football season. I'm so excited about it. I watch drafts and do all that kind of stuff. And, um, and so, like, I always love the people that are like, I mean, pe- some people are huge fans of football that they, couldn't catch a football unless if you, even if you rolled it to them, it would go between their legs and they fall on the floor. I mean, there's some people and that's fine. But what I, but people like what they call merch, merchandise. You know, like I, I did some studies and the top merchandise, people love to wear like ever like the garb. I mean, I do. Um, yeah. Ever since I was a little kid, I watched Batman and Robin. I had a Robin Batman costume on, you know, I was, that was me. Um, but you know, like People like to wear the merchandise of the teams that they love. And I, and I did some um, searches. The, the top merchandising per sport, the top Major League Baseball team, the New York Yankees. You, yeah, and, and the top person, he's been retired for years, Derek Jeter, is still the top-selling jersey for the New York uh, Yankees. Um, unfortunately, the Cowboys, because people are lost in this world, um, are, are the top ones. But the top-selling jersey is Tom Brady. Uh, the GOAT. Um, Soccer. Anybody like soccer? Anybody like football? You know, whatever they go. Um, Manchester United is the top-selling, Man U is the top-selling one in the world, and second is uh, Real Madrid. And the top-selling jersey in 2021, 1.2 million fans bought uh, Lionel Messi's jersey. Wouldn't you like to get a kickback from that? Um, and the second one was Cristiano Ronaldo, um, and he got a lot too. Manchester U made $45 million in sales off of um, his jersey, the first 12 hours of sales. The first 12 hours, $45 million. um, when he came to the team in 2021. When it comes to ice hockey, the Boston Bruins are the top one, followed by the Chicago uh, Blackhawks. And Alex Ovechkin is still the top one that's bought. When it comes to the NBA, people like people who are at the top of the league, so the Golden State Warriors, are the, the most followed by, God help us, the Los Angeles Lakers. And LeBron James is still the number one with Kobe Bryant second. When it comes to NASCAR, Dale Jr., still goes, and Dale Sr. still makes a lot of money well past the grave. Uh, Jacob and I went to a, a race in Dover probably about 12 years ago. The only one I've ever went to. and I've been to a lot of sports events, but NASCAR people are crazy. I mean, like, you, they they have everything on, and they're like, you know, Pepsi, and, you know, DuPont, whatever, you know, every every kind of thing on, and it is wild. I mean, there was there was racers for, like, like race fans for Jesus next to people doing keg stands, and they were all sharing cups. It was crazy. Um, and, and it was just wild, and there was this one guy who was there. He had his shirt off, um, and it was a hot day. It, 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 it was hot, and then it rained, and it was hotter, and the, the, lots of wrecks down in Dover, and, over. and and they were, they were going around the track, I don't know how many times because I don't know it that much, but, you know, they're doing it. And this one guy had no shirt on um, and was there. And every time the guy he liked as a racer would come by, he'd be sitting down and he'd come by and he'd go, whoo! whoo! 200, 500 times, whatever it was the whole time. I knew who he liked. I knew because every time... Uh, constantly. And so we do that. You can add to it concerts. There's people who like concerts. Anybody buy concert t-shirts? Um, all those kind of things. There's, there's people that we just like and people that we associate with. Movies. All those kind of things. And merchandise is huge. And today what you're doing is you're saying, I am clothed with Christ. That's one of the reasons why we give people who get baptized a t-shirt. To say you are clothed with Christ as a symbol of that. To say I'm aligning with Him. When, so that when we say, somebody says, hey, Jesus, you go, "Woo! yeah, in the world, and get excited about it and say, I'm on his team, because that's the team. Jesus went to be baptized in the Jordan, and the Jordan may have been the most public place around. And people went there for their drinking water, to wash their clothes to cool off on a hot day to go fishing. Everybody gathered around there. And where was Jesus baptized? In the most public place possible. That's why we do them together as a family of God, and we do them publicly. Um, and so, I, you know, I, so, so like right now, I, I, I love that some of you may have brought some people and you might not say, hey, I'm getting baptized, boom, boom, boom. I've been playing on it, but I'm gonna do it. And you said, get your, get your hips down here. I wanna go ahead and you all want you to see me. I wanna put it on social media. I wanna have it out there so that you can tell people, look what I'm doing because of Christ Jesus today. Everybody you know. You're saying, I'm not my own anymore. I'm publicly standing him. You're saying, Jehovah Nisi, which means God is my banner. You're in the stands going, woo go God. You know, it's like that. So why is this so important? Because Jesus said in Matthew 10, this important verse here, he said, whoever acknowledges me before men, humanity, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. I need Jesus to own, to to not disown me in heaven. I need him to be like, hey, yeah, Jackson, mess up, but hey, I took care of it, right? I don't need to say, Jack, never heard of him, and I'm all in trouble, okay? Over the years, so many people say, well, why don't I, I like to be baptized in private, but I've never seen a fan who just kind of sits there and goes, yay, team, you know? So that's, that's what we need to do. We need to do the same thing. You know, the same people who don't want to do... Uh, to, to say, yeah, look at me, I'm aligned with Jesus. The same people that embarrass themselves every day on social media for things that don't matter. It's like a wedding ring, it's an outward, invisible sign of an inward spiritual truth that goes on, that we're together and we belong to each other. In baptism, it is that inward, invisible sign that I do not belong to this world, but to Christ. Okay, everybody good, you getting anything from this? All right, um, and um, the second thing you will be baptized into Christ's death. Um, Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 4. Paul asks the question. He says, hey, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his what? His death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. The old nature dies. You are buried. I love, when, I love when we do immersion, when we have the time for immersion, because of Baptizo. We're a bunch of pickles. Right now, you may be a cucumber, but the goal is to be a, a pickle. Um, you, you, you know, as cucumbers, we need Bapto, we need to be cleaned up. But as ones who one say, you know, I, I, I want to be a pickle. I, yeah, post that today. I want to be a pickle, all right? Then there's a transformation that occurs. And we can want to be, we can say, hey, I'm a pickle, and still deal with the cucumber self because we weren't willing to go through the transformation process. And that's what Christ calls us to, to be transformed in the renewing of our minds and our hearts so, so many times, I mean, to do that here today. The old nature dies and you're buried with Christ into transformation. Love that picture of being buried into his death so that we are raised to life with Christ. Buried in that watery grave and raised to life. Often, many of us who were baptized at babies, we don't remember and we become followers of Jesus and we'd like to get baptized again. It doesn't replace that baptism. Um, and, and I have some, you can find the theology, please, and call them on me, it's okay. My I, you know, I follow my, what my dad taught me growing up, and I follow what my daddy tells me now. Um, and, um, and, like, even if you don't remember, we have questions and we're confused. It's like, did it count? And then we have all these theologians. But I've always come to this understanding. Who am I to keep anybody away from supping and them saying, gosh, I want to make a profession physically and say, I love you, Jesus. I'm not going to do that. It's about him, not me. I had a seminary professor who said, that knows too much. And when you say God says, that, that knows too much. So for me, you know, I've always said, well, you're not re-baptized because it wasn't good. I, I look at it that you, you may have been bapid, bapto back there and you want to baptizo, And you may have baptizo from bapto. All right? The crazy thing is you guys are following me and I love that. Um, <laughs> But the goal, is, the goal is to say, hey, I, I have decided to follow Jesus and do it in life. So, so if, I'm not going to say, were you baptized? Oh, go on the hill. I'm not going to have you again. What do I care? You know, I mean, that's Jesus said to uh, when he was washing the disciples' feet, Peter said, oh, wash my whole head then. He said, no, no, just the daily stuff. So if you just say, you know, yeah, I was baptized, but I want to say to the world, I want that that dirty stuff from every day to go away. And I need you, Jesus. I I want to do that for Jesus. Go ahead. Romans chapter 6, 6 through 7 says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body of sin, check this out, might be done away with, so that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been what? Freed from sin. Meaning, whenever that old nature comes back, grab yourself and go, Old nature? Old nature, you're dead. You're a dead thing, you're dead. I don't talk to dead things. You're dead. Go be dead. Leave me alone. All right. Jesus is more powerful than that old nature that we have if we make that commitment. Um, So when you're baptized, you're going to go stand publicly with Christ, um, Jesus, Lord. You're going to be buried with him in baptism. And this one, you are going to be raised into new life. It doesn't have it magical. We still have the stuff every day. We still got to do it, but we're making that commitment through the sanctifying grace of God that we're trying to be more like Christ and we're doing those things. I don't know how to explain it, but the Holy Spirit of God is active in this act. It fills you up at the very same time. The very same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead 2,000 plus years ago comes to reside in you and me. That's why we're called the temples of the Holy Spirit. When I gain some weight, I just feel like I'm putting on a wing on the temple of the Holy Spirit. Um, And so, but he wants to come and not not only come upon you like in the Old Testament and leave, but he lives within you, lives within you. Um, You have access to the heart of God. Anybody heard of this guy, Sam Houston? Anybody heard of Sam Houston? Anybody heard of Houston, Texas? Named after him, all right? And he was a big personality. Much of the, much of the ideology behind, like, you know, Texas, don't mess with Texas, comes from this guy. Um, and um, there's a lot of reasons um, that he, he was referred to. His nickname was called Big Drunk. And you can see, would you, does he look like somebody you want to mess with? He was a governor of two states. Um, in his life, so he did, he was large in life, he was rough around the edges. he was known as a lifelong brawler, even up until his late fifties and early sixties and he would He would fight whether it was in a political fight, whether it was a uh, military one or even a marital one. We have those rec- recognized as well, and then he met Jesus and was baptized and it changed everything. And in many ways, this kind of this guy Sam Houston, this brawler, was personally responsible for that. For like I said, for everything. Like they say about Texas, and that's why the largest modern city is named after him. Even though his legacy centers on Texas, he did so many other things in different areas. I said he fought victoriously against the English and the Mexicans in those in, in that wars. In those wars, he was an accomplished politician. I said he was. Governor of two different states. He was also a keen target of newspapers, uh, which was the the press. He was there all the time. And his marriage to Eliza Allen ended in scandalous and highly publicized divorce. It was probably the first tabloid back in the day. His second marriage to Margaret Lee, who was a devout Baptist woman from Alabama, um, ended up changing his life and his eternity. For years, she had prayed for her husband and talked with him about his need of salvation and even asked others to speak with him about his faith. And finally, after 61 years of fighting the English, the the people from Mexico, the, the, um, the other politicians, and anybody he had a conflict with, he decided to turn his life over to Christ. His baptism was scheduled November 19th, 1854, And since it was such a huge occasion, people from all over, from his hometown of Independence as far to Austin, came from all over. There were three pastors. Um, for his baptismal service, Baines, Burleson, and Morell, and each um, which had played a role in his conversion and had a special task in the midst of the service. Imagine how big of a sinner you are that you have to have three pastors there to, um, for your baptism. Well, Reverend Burleson was chosen to be the one that would do the official baptizing. And the morning of the service, the pastor discovered that some mischievous boys had pranked the occasion by filling the baptismal pool with mud and sticks. So quickly, they relocated the baptism to the baptizing hole in Rocky Creek, Texas, about a mile from the church. Tons of people gathered on the banks of the river as a cold northeastern wind cut through the assembly. It was cold that day. Houston walked down into the water's edge, and Reverend Burleson noted that Houston still had his watch on his hip. And he pointed out to Houston, and he he said, Hey, uh, you got your watch on? make sure you give it, and he said, oh, he gave it to his friend. And he said, oh, you better hand your wallet, too. And the pastor said, and um, Sam Houston said this. He said, no, pastor, I believe not. I'm afraid that needs baptizing, too. Wow, that's powerful, isn't it? And after he was baptized in the freezing cold conditions, he was congratulated by his friends. And they said, well, General... All your sins have been washed away. And he said, if that be the case, I pity the fish downstream. <laughs> From that time forward, Houston became a, a stout supporter of Christ. and on beh- he, he paid half the pastor's salary and even gave generously to Baylor University. And his life was totally changed. The writer of this section, um, her name is... Um, Madge Thornwell Roberts wrote, A Star of Destiny, The Private Life of Sam and Margaret Houston. Um, She wrote, um, his life was totally changed. She said, but that's what's supposed to happen when a big drunk meets a bigger Savior. Awesome. I don't know about you, but there are a lot of sins that Jesus has washed away from me, and God pity the, the fish downstream. Romans 6, 4 continues, and it says, as just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too, what? We too may live a new life, a totally new life in Christ. That's why on the back of these shirts says, there's a new life in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come, to recognize that as well. Baptism was used in several different ways not only make pickles, but how many like tie-dyed shirts? Baptizo was also used when they would take a, a, a shirt and they dip it in, or cloth and dip it in, and it would come out and it was a new shirt. That's what baptism does. You're different. You're changed. All that filth and all those insecurities are gone. You have a new name. You're a new father of Christ. You're a Christanos, which means Christ one. You stand publicly with him. He gave his life for me, and I, in turn, give mine back to him. And whenever that old nature comes back knocking on the door, I remind him, shut up, dead thing. You're dead. When you're baptized, you stand with him. You're buried with him. You're raised, and you're also raised to a ministry. You say, excuse me. You may say, I'm a stay-at-home mom. No, you're a... Mom, minister, I'm a banker. No, you're pastor banker. I'm a carpenter. Nope, that's what people think you are, but you uh, are just a minister who happens to be a carpenter. That's your church world. You are baptized into the life and ministry of Jesus Christ and the calling he's placed on your life. And then what Jesus told those disciples 2,000 years ago, right before he left, is the same for you. Go into all the world. Where do you go, what, what part of the world do you go to? It doesn't have to be out of Schwabobia. It's just where your world is. Go into your world, using your time, your gifts, your talents, your service, your finances, your energy into the world to invest, not in this world, but to invest in people and something that lasts for eternity. We take every resource we have and we devote it to Jesus so that we can what? Make disciples of Christ baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Last week, as the worship team comes up, last week we ended the ser- series on the Lord's Prayer. It was, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And I'm going to share this with you right now. Satan does not like that we stand up for Jesus. He hates it. So here's a note of, not caution, but just one to r- recognize. Right after Jesus' baptism, right after Jesus was baptized— And remember what happened? The spirit fell and God said, this is my boy. I'm really pleased with him. In Mark's gospel, it tells us that immediately the spirit threw him out in the wilderness. For 40 days, he he fasted for 40 days and he was tempted and attacked by Satan. Why? Because Satan didn't like it. Satan didn't like that this is my son who I love. Satan doesn't like that we say, I have decided to follow Jesus. He didn't like that at all. But I'm going to do the first, first time I've ever done this, I think, in 20-some, 20 26, almost 27 years, is um, I'm going to end with the same exact verse that I used last week. Because um, e- even though those things in our life that come back are, are dead, Satan likes to bring dead things up to us and say, this was better. This was better. And so here's the verse that we used from last week that we're going to, I'm going to use this week. It's from Colossians. It says, you were dead in your sins, and your sinful desires were not yet cut away. Then he, God, gave you a share in the very life of Christ, for he forgave all your sins and blotted out the charges proved against you the list of his commandments which you had not obeyed. And he took the list of sins and destroyed it by nailing it to the cross. In that way, God took away Satan's power to accuse you of sin and openly displayed to the whole world Christ's triumph at the cross where your sins were all taken away. Isn't that awesome? That Satan's going to come back. He's going to bring those things, but guess what you get to do? Yeah, they're dead things. And guess what? I know what I've done. I know what I do, but guess what? Because of the cross of Christ, it's not me, but it's Christ who lives in me because I have decided to follow Jesus and I am a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Amen? All right, let's get up. Yeah, you can clap. I'll take it. Mm -mm. For God, not me. All right. Mm. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that um, just that, you know, I thank you that you have defeated Satan through the blood of the Lamb and our testimony. And so I ask at this moment that God, that, um, that many today are, have said already that they have decided to make a commitment to follow you. They're going to make a public profession and they're going to be, uh, uh, you know, buried in a watery grave to be raised to new life. And they've decided that this is something that they want to do and and they want to, to tell the world that I'm on I'm on Jesus' team. So God, to ask for your, your Holy Spirit has been nudging them and, and moving them toward this. And God, there may be somebody else here who said, I didn't come prepared and that's all right. We'll figure it out. We got some stuff that can take care of that. And so they may be saying, you know, I got this tug on my heart. That God, you know, I'm, I feel like Sam Houston a lot that I got a lot of stuff in my life that Man, if I go into that water and it goes downstream, there's going to be a lot of fish floating. And he says, hey, I've taken it all. I don't care what it is. I've taken it all. And and I'm going to give you a new life. All you have to do is say, I've decided to follow you. Follow me, Jesus says. So God, I pray for everybody who is involved with this. And, I, and I'm going to right now just ask for a special blessing over the food so that once we're done celebrating um, baptism, that we can celebrate as families do with food um, and that we can enjoy that, that this day is just uh, the day that you have made and that all heaven is rejoicing. When one sinner says, hey, I messed up, but I'm not who, what I do, I am who I who I belong to. So God, moving people's hearts here right now, that they may seek Your face and they may they may come to grow and love You even more. That even in the midst of the song, that You're drawing on our heartstrings to say, "I love You." And that pervenient grace is reaching out. I want to have a relationship with You, and that maybe justification and sanctification can begin today. Lord, at this time, we also receive back some of the gifts of Your tithe and our offerings. And so, Lord, um, if you're visiting today with us here today, you're our guest being here. We don't want you to give. We don't expect that at all. We just want you to receive what God has for you. But, God, for those who do look at this as their church and do give, and we ask that your Holy Spirit just anoint these so that we can continue to answer the Great Commission, to go into all the world, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son Mm -hmm. and the Holy Spirit. God, I have a special prayer that I just want to pray for our brothers and sisters in Haven Church in Haiti today. And just that, God, you still work in in their lives an amazing way. We thank you for Pastor Oog who's been through so much stuff. And I thank you for the support from this group that has changed this community and the world around us. That one day when we get to heaven, somebody's going to look at somebody here who gave and say thank you for giving to the Lord. God, you work your way here as we uh, reach this last song. And you do your thing in Jesus' mighty name amen. If you want to pray with somebody, they're up here for you, and um, let's just sing and worship the Lord. So a couple housekeeping things here All right um, for those of you who are already signed up and everything um, we're gonna make sure that you go ahead and um, if you'll come up because we, we have our, um, we'll get we have some bags and stuff to give get to you um, so we'll like you just kind of gather here if you decided God nudged on your heart you said yeah I want to do this come on over hang in this area we'll go ahead and, and take care of some stuff like shirts and some other things and then um, if somebody need to change the things um, do those in the bathrooms where there's no cameras please got that? Where are you going to change? Thank you. Um, and, um, and, then, um, and then we'll, um, we'll head, head down there. Everybody else, if, even if you're not doing that, we'd love for you to hang out if you're able to so you can celebrate this. This is awesome. I mean, 24, 25, maybe 30. Who knows? I'll be dunking all day. Um, but but um, we want to celebrate that because it's an awesome day. And then next week, we're going to start our series on the Beatitudes, okay? So, have a great week in Jesus. Yes? Okay. If you want to help with tables and chairs, set up for the food afterwards. And we have plenty of food, so we'd love for you to stay. God bless you all. We'll see you in a bit.